Hello everyone, this is Angela Benoit, host of the Continuing Education Series, a podcast we produce as a benefit for the members of the French Language Division and those interested in becoming members. This series strives to offer educational content about the craft of French to English and English to French translation, and also about our division. Today's episode is about sustainable, de- sustainable development, and it is my pleasure to welcome Natalie Pavey to the podcast. Natalie is a French-to-English translator who specializes in sustainable development, marketing, and corporate communication. And our topic today happens to be sustainable development. So Natalie, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you chose this field? Hi, Angela. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, well, I have to say that I'm the stereotypical millennial, and the issue of <laughs> sustainable development was actually the motivating factor be- behind the career choices I made before becoming a, a translator. So after I graduated college, I joined the U.S. Peace Corps and spent two years in Benin in West Africa, uh, where I taught English and got involved in projects related to gender development and HIV AIDS prevention. And after that, uh, I ended up in Alaska in 2009, where I worked as a park ranger interpreter in Katmai National Park. And the primary reasons I went there were my interest in the environment and love for nature, uh, as well as the fact that they require rangers who can speak foreign languages in order to keep French speak, uh, visitors from French-speaking countries safe from the bears. Oh, and, cool. and then I moved to Quebec City with my husband in 2010, and I discovered the profes- profession of freelance translator and decided I wanted to, wanted to specialize in sustainable development to continue contributing to environmental conservation and international development. Wow, West Africa and Alaska, that is a very impressive background. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Part of my extended family is actually from Saskatchewan, and uh, I remember being taught about bear safety um, during summer vacations in Canada. So I can imagine how important it was for Katmai National Park to make sure all of the visitors, including the Francophones, knew how to behave um, appropriately around the bears. Yes, it has the largest brown bear density in the world, so it's very important. Wow, I had no idea. Um, so, so, so sustainable development, um, it's a relatively new field if we think about it, and uh, it's actually full of neologisms where term creation and definition are extremely important. Uh, can you tell us, Natalie, about your favorite ones, maybe? Sure. I agree with you that neologisms are common because they help us be specific and clear about new problems that arise and the solutions we're looking for them. And an interesting thing about them also is that terms seem to arise almost simultaneously in different languages today because the world is so interconnected. Um, I'm on Twitter, and I specifically follow companies and bloggers writing about sustainable development, and sometimes I'll even see French and English articles focusing on the exact same topic um, within days of each other. Oh, wow, cool. Uh, All right, so note to self and to listeners, um, when we're finished today's podcast, we should all go check out what what type of account Natalie follows. (laughs) Uh, Sure, yeah. There are lots of interesting articles. I'm um, going <laughs> An interesting term that I want to start with is biological diversity, which is no longer a neologism, of course, but it was coined in 1980 by the American environmental scientist Thomas Lovejoy. And today everyone almost uh, knows what it means, but the interesting thing about it in terms of language is that researchers have found a link between languages in decline and biodiversity. 
For example, a study conducted by the World Wildlife Fund in 2014 found that the rate of decline of languages globally is very close to the rate of decline in populations of wild vertebrate species. Um, they wow. found that increasing global population, increasing consumption of natural resources, and increasing globalization, uh, the same factors that are driving the extinction of biodiversity are applicable to languages as well because people are losing traditional knowledge of plants and animal animals as languages are dying off. But without the notion of biological diversity, for example, the fact would have remained undiscovered. Wow, that is really cool. I would have never guessed that, but it actually makes sense now that you're telling me. Yeah, um, and I think sustainable development itself is also an interesting one, even though it's become overused, because uh -huh. it has come to mean so many different things. Um, people are starting to critique and re-examine the idea of sustainable development. Um, some people are promoting, for example, what is referred to as negative growth. So mm -hmm. new terms are starting to catch on. Uh, another example is resilience, yeah. as in urban resilience and resilient cities. Uh, which is translated as resilient in French, um, and it concerns ur conserves urban planning and can be defined as the capacity to deal with change and continue to develop in regards to global issues, such as biodiversity, urban growth, economic development, human security, and well-being. Mm -hmm. And in fact, Resilience 2014 was a conference held in Montpellier, France, uh, by the international organization Resilience Alliance, which just goes to show how these movements are picking up, up, picking up speed across the world. Picking up speed, and I would even tend to say becoming more and more precise. Um, I'm yeah. curious, though, um, what would the actual definition of negative growth be? I um, have to admit it's my first time hearing about this term. That's a good question. Um, it comes from the idea that sustainable, sustainable growth is a bit of an oxymoron, since growth cannot occur indefinitely. Okay. Okay. especially in regards to the environment since resources are finite. Okay. So negative growth or degrowth is based on an economic principle, which is a little bit beyond my understanding. But the okay. idea behind it is that the only effective, effective sustainable solutions involve a reduction in consumption. Okay. And most, most proponents of the movement believe that we can increase happiness and well-being through non-consumptive means um, through, a, like, through a sharing economy, for example. Very cool, which is becoming popular nowadays. Yeah, especially among millennials. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and things like um, eBay or Kijiji, they're really promoting um, absolutely not letting things just go to waste. Yeah, and reusing them or, or reselling them or finding a, 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 like a, the next user for the thing, uh, yeah. regardless yeah. of the transaction. Very cool. And similarly. Eco-friendly is also a term that people are starting to say needs to be retired mm -hmm. because they believe it's too lightweight to describe the gravity of the problem of climate change. Um, mm -hmm. There's an environmental journalist named Steve Varten, Star Varten, sorry, who proposed the terms human saving, future respecting, and health first, which also goes to show that the term has become so overused that it's losing its influence. Mm -hmm. And in France, the term écologique or écolo has received the same criticism, in addition to the use of durable, responsable, and vert, uh, for the same reasons that they have become overused and vague. Sure. And I haven't seen what people are proposing in French, other than résilient, which I should stress is not actually meant to replace the word sustainable in either English or French. 
Yeah, that uh, and Ecolo are, are definitely, I've heard them being used and used and used over again. Uh, and then we use and use and use them in translations as well. Um, one that I did hear about recently is Economie Circulaire. Uh, and uh, so that, that sounds like a good one. Maybe our listeners will be able to actually suggest some terms uh, to some social media. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yep. Uh, um, let's see. So another interesting term is upcycling. Oh, yeah. oh that's or, a good one. Which, which is recyclage valorisant in French. And it's the process of converting waste materials or useless objects into new materials or objects that have a greater value. Cool. And it seems to be a new fad in the U.S., Whereas in France, people speak more of the économie circulaire, like you mentioned, or uh, mm -hmm. consuma la consommation collaborative. I like that. Um, yeah. It's, uh, well, sharing economy, they translate to circular economy and sharing economy. But it seems as though the idea of upcycling is more popular in the U.S., uh, even though it's really part of the circular economy. So in France, mm -hmm. they put the stress on circular economy, and in, in the U.S., it's more like the trend of upcycling, um, okay. which I find interesting on a cultural level. Yeah, because it comes from uh, different places, I guess. Um, I also feel like it's been more ingrained in European mentalities than in the U.S. It's, it's the, the U.S. is waking up to upcycling. It's, um, it's, it's kind of more recent, and uh, mm -hmm. I guess we, we definitely hope it's here to stay. Yep, um, and just the fact that there are so many buildings in Europe uh, is a testament to that. And then there's also the historic preservation movement in the U.S., which has been going on for a long time, but it's mm -hmm. it's part of the same trend. Definitely. Um, now, we've talked about a few examples of, of terms. Uh, what, what could they tell us about translating for the field of sustainable development in general? Well, as in any field, you have to stay up to date on the terms being used in the industry. And since sustainable development is an issue in so many industries, um, mm -hmm. Twitter is a great resource, and it keeps me up to date about what sorts of projects people are working on. And as we as translators know, it's important to use terms that are received positively by the target audience. Very but true. it's also important to use the language that experts use, which can be tricky depending on the language that you're translating into. Mm -hmm. For example, I work with a green building company in Quebec who, who conducts LEED certifications, which stands for Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design, and which is a certi certification granted by the U.S. Green Building Council. And, mm -hmm. and since all the terms were developed in the U.S., it's sometimes difficult to f for them to find the standard, uh, standard terms in French. Uh, so I have it easy in that respect because the terms are already standardized in English, but my clients once asked me if I could check their French term base because they themselves weren't sure what the proper translation would be in French. Interesting. Yeah, I've actually seen several different translations for leadership in energy and environmental design. So definitely an interesting problem. Oh, okay. We they yeah. do just refer to uh, refer to it as lead in in Quebec, mm -hmm. which is yeah. kind of contrary to what they normally do. Yeah, but it's it, yeah for sure. It definitely <laughs> solves the problem of oh, we don't know how to call it. Yeah, um, and I should note that I referred them to someone else for that French revision project because I don't translate <laughs> into French. Um, gotcha. But there are also slight nuances depending where the de depending on where the document is coming from. Okay. Uh, I can give you the example of sécurité alimentaire or food security, which is more common in Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, in France, they refer to it as autosuffisance alimentaire. Mm-hmm. So in my Canadian document I was translating, uh, I used the translation food security, whereas uh, 
for a report in in the U.S. I used food self-sufficiency, which mm-hmm. is less commonly um, because um, food security is, or sorry, food self-sufficiency is less commonly used in the U.S., but food security okay. wouldn't have been the right translation in that case because there's a bit of a difference in being secure and being self-sufficient. Yes, self-sufficient is you produce it yourself, or it's secure, it's just coming in a, a secure fashion. Yeah. We would say and, it like that. And both of those we're referring to African communities. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Interesting. Um, and you were mentioning France and Canada, um, that they're both very involved in sustainable development, um, but they also have very different terminology, terminology approaches um, on lots of things in translation in general. Uh, could you tell us maybe about some of the differences you've noted between uh, the two locales? Sure. Uh, there's well, sustainable development is a global issue, and there mm-hmm. are many terms. So there are many terms that are used both in France and Canada, but Canadian French, in, in general, adapts Quebecois terms that aren't used in France. Yeah. Um, for example, there's a, a verb in Quebec called uh, that's placoté, which means to chat. <laughs> Uh, and they, they combined it with the word trottoir uh, into placotoir, which is translated okay. as a parklet in English. Okay. And if you haven't heard of them, parklets are sitting in rest areas that look like outdoor terraces, uh, and they're starting to be installed in parking areas in front of businesses. So they're part of the placemaking movement, which in Canada is referred to aménagement de l'espace public. Um, but I'm not sure if the concept has gained traction in France since there's not a standard term uh, for either parklet or placemaking, uh, even though, well, they have referred to as pla- placemaking as mm-hmm. la cr- création de d'espace or the la fabrique des espaces. But, okay. but for parklets, they have so many plazas that they, they don't technically need parklets. So Yeah, it, it sounds like it's a different context altogether. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and for people... Oh, sorry? No, interesting. I love it. And for people who don't know this, Francophone Canadians also look down on the use of English words in French, so just mm-hmm. a general difference is that you won't see English terms used in texts. Uh, they'll invent their own word or use some other variation of a, an existing French word, uh, whereas you do see English words in text from Fran- texts from France. Yeah, very true, very true also. Um, so as translators, uh, what impact can we have on sustainable, sustainable development terminology and uh, specifically Term definition, and um, to echo what you were saying earlier, why would you say it's important to speak our client's language and the target in, in the target language? Well, the fact that language is constantly evolving is important to keep mind keep in mind in any field of specialization. But in sustainable mm-hmm. development, it is especially important because the whole goal is to create change, and to the, to do that, you need to be able to convince people and use engage, engaging language. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, you want to transmit the tone of the message, and if you don't use the most socially accepted terms, your, tra- your translation won't have the same effect. Yeah, that's uh, very true in any field. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And people are also starting to realize that in order to make sustainable development work, we have to stop telling people to consume less or do less, mm-hmm. but we need to get people to do things differently. And I think that can be accomplished by not always resor- resorting to the same overused terms. Absolutely true. And I also find it interesting that sustainable development is a global issue, so we play a key role as translators. Mm-hmm. And many people feel p- 
powerless in the face of problems such as climate change or extreme poverty, but translators can actually have an impact through their work in this field specifically. Definitely. As, as no. in other fields also. Yeah. <laughs> That's Very what I enjoy yeah. a lot about this work is that there's always some kind of uh, end goal in mind. Some yeah, kind of absolutely. Good change for the good. Great, yep, definitely. Um, now, to conclude, could you give us a few example, um, a few, an example on how you've seen the power of language? Um, uh, I'm going to rephrase that. <laughs> could you give us an example of the power of language that you've maybe witnessed uh, in the area of sustainable, sustainable development? Um, did something particular come to mind? Yeah, I don't, I can't think of anything in uh, France or Canada or in my language combination, but I think Germany is okay. a great example. Um, mm. We can see how it, their language, well, one specific term is reflected, reflective of their national mentality, uh, and that's uh, Energiewende, which is okay. uh, it's, uh, the term they use to refer to their goal to shut down all of their nuclear power plants by 2022. So it's a... Cool. Uh, an energy transition which literally translates to energy revolution. And okay. an interesting point about this that I learned from Matt Griffin in ATA's language, uh, German language division is that the term Venda was actually used by the government in their policy documents after World War II to, rever to refer to the post-war building efforts. Rebuilding, sorry. Wow. So it has a historical element to it. And today, 92% of Germans support the energy transition, and already one-third of their energy supply comes from renewable sources. Um, by comparison, only 13% of energy in the U.S. comes from renewables, and it's about 15% in France. So the That's fact cool. that uh, energy transition has a name in Germany, uh, it's re reflective of the importance there and the fact uh, that it's tied to their national history could also have played a role in getting people behind the transition. That's really awesome. It's a great example of how history, culture, and politics, and environmental policy has shaped language. Um, yep. I wish we had uh, a word like, let me try it, and then given the in English and in French, maybe one day it'll come. Yep, I hope it'll pop up in English too, sometime soon, although <laughs> I did see uh, trans transformation imperative used the other day. Oh, so I thought that was transformation imperative. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for joining me today. This is a fantastic episode. Thank you for having me, Angela. I hope it's gotten a few more people interested in sustainable development. Uh, I'm sure it has. Um, this concludes our episode for today. Natalie, thanks again. Um, this podcast is produced by the French Language Division of the American Translators Association. Our current administrator is Yves Baudet, and our current assistant administrator is Jen Mercer. You can subscribe to the Continuing Education Series podcast on SoundCloud at www.soundcloud.com forward slash ATA FLD or on iTunes by searching for the words Continuing Education Series in the iTunes Store. You can contact the FLD at division, FLD at atanet.org or you can visit the website at www.ata-divisions.org forward slash FLD. And it is very important for you to type the letters FLD in all caps in, the, um, in our division URL. You can also get in touch with us on social media. This is Angela Benoit signing off. Thanks for listening, and à bientôt.